the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on Crosswalk with Gino Geraci on this sort of free-for-all Friday. And the free-for-all Friday, of course, is that day where we come together. And you can, again, very much like Tough Question Tuesday, but... We do all kinds of things on Free For All Friday and talk about all kinds of different things. It is, of course, the program where we talk about God and the historical Jesus. We talk about the Bible. We talk about worldviews and world religions. And, of course, as I'm fond of saying, we talk about the past, which is history. And we talk about the future, which includes the subject of prophecy. But we also talk about the here and the now. And if you'd like to join me on the program, the number is 303 And, of course, producer John Corbliss is standing by to take your call at 303-873-1935. He'll ask you what your question is, and we, of course, will make every effort to get your question or comment on the program. 303-873-1935. And, of course, um, I was – it came to my attention – that there is a series that is appearing. I don't recommend you watch it. Uh, It's on the Raelian movement, the R-A-E-L-I-A-N, because it's it's pretty gross. But um, the Raelian movement is a UFO cult, and um, they've done a documentary series on this UFO cult. And again, I don't know that it's um, affirming or disaffirming. I have no idea. But it made me think about the fact of UFO cults. And so I thought I would touch on the subject today. Um the person who founded the Raelian movement was a man named Claude. It rhymes with fraud. Now, if your name is Claude, I don't mean to denigrate your name, but his name is Claude uh, Vorion, or Vorion, and he was a race car driver, and he was a, a big part of the 60s. And so he um, claims that he was contacted by extraterrestrials. And so he claims that he became a prophet, an ambassador of the Elohim. Now, it's interesting that he referred to the UFOs or the extraterrestrial beings who uh, contacted him. He referred to them as Elohim, which is interesting because obviously the Hebrew word Elohim and what that means, and I've talked a little bit about the meaning of that word. And so apparently these so-called extraterrestrial beings um, anointed or appointed Claude Vorion 
as an ambassador of Elohim. And, and according to him, he says, because you will be our ambassador on earth and we will come only unofficially to your embassy. And so R-A-E-L, Rael, or Rael, he said could, rough, could be translated messenger. So this particular person was born in 1946 in Vichy, France. So fast forward to 1966, and uh, and then fast forward again to 1973, where Mr. Vorion's life took a drastic change when he claims that he was climbing a volcano overlooking Clermont-Ferrand in central southern France, and uh, he said he suddenly was in a fog. He saw a red light flashing, and then a sort of helicopter was descending toward me, he claims. And he said, I could hear absolutely nothing, not even a slightest whistle, a balloon maybe. And then he said the object was about 20 meters above the ground, and I could see that it was in somewhat flattened shape. It was like it was a flying saucer, he said. And then he goes on to say that it was about 7 meters in diameter, that it was 2.5 meters high with a white flashing light, a trap door. He describes a stairway that unfolded under the ground and that a figure about 4 feet tall descended. It, it had long black hair, a small black beard, and dressed in a green one-piece suit. So he basically claims that the alien spoke to him in perfect French, and of course, that the alien claimed that it knew all the language languages of the Earth. It come from another planet, and um, he literally believed that this changes everything in his worldview. Um, he doesn't believe in a god, but rather in extraterrestrial beings who he says were um, the creators of all life on the earth. So that's not unusual as far as UFO cults. Um, but according to Claude, the alien also said that it was because Claude had a Jewish father and a Catholic mother. Later in his life, he would claim to be the brother of Jesus. Later, he would also claim to have been picked up once again, taken to another world where he sat at the table with Muhammad, with Buddha, with Elijah, with Moses, with Jesus. And um, after his UFO encounter, he allegedly went back to the same place with a notebook and a Bible and the spaceship reappeared, and then he and the alien once again had a conversation allegedly inside the ship. And then the alien uh, told Claude that a long time ago on their planet, they had reached a high level of technical and scientific knowledge, and that soon we on the Earth would reach the same level. And the alien then asked Claude to refer to the Bible and said, only the parts of the Bible that I will translate are important. Other parts are merely poetic babblings of which I will say nothing. I am sure you can appreciate that, thanks to the law which said that the Bible had always to be recopied without changing even the smallest detail. So with this visitation from this so-called extraterrestrial being, it gave him permission 
look, I'm going to explain to you what the Bible says. The rest of the Bible doesn't really matter. And so the way we're going to understand the Bible is the way that the alien understands the Bible. And so he says that the alien proceeded to radically reinterpret the Bible. And um, so he believes that he was tasked with spreading the message that that we are the direct descendants of aliens. So what's interesting about all of that, I'm often asked the question about extraterrestrial beings, aliens, or UFOs. And so part of the challenge is when we talk about alien and we talk about UFO, we would probably do ourselves a favor by sort of defining our terms. What do we mean by that? And for the purpose of answering the question, are there such things as aliens or UFOs? What I mean by alien or aliens is a being that comes from a planet or a living thing that comes from somewhere other than the Earth. So... Obviously, depending on context, you know, an alien can mean someone from not where you're from. But I think we have to be a little more specific. And, of course, UFO UFO literally stands for unidentified flying object. But I'll have more when we come back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gina Geraci. If you want to join me on the program, it's... 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935. And, of course, happy to take your call. We were talking a little bit about um, a series that's just populated at Netflix on the Raelian cult, and I thought I would just touch bases on that. And... um, there have been a number of UFO cults, and so I thought, well, um, how do we talk about that? And, of course, when we talk about UFOs and aliens, what many, many people believe is that they're beings from another planet. They travel in some sort of craft and then come to this particular place. The problem is the evidence for that kind of thinking is zero. Um, There seems to be way more evidence that there are interdimensional beings that literally have the ability that they're not, they're from somewhere other than here and that somehow they come to this place. And so, again, when you say UFO, which literally means unidentified flying object, it's pretty self-evident that there are, there are things called UFOs. There are unidentified flying objects where you're looking at something and you go, hey, I don't know what that is. Now, obviously, they fall into several different categories, um, things that you don't know what they are, things that uh, multi- one person sees, multiple people see, and the list goes on and on. 
So to say that unidentified flying objects don't exist would be ridiculous because it's self-evident that they do exist. But um, imagine someone said, well, are, are there such a thing as unsolved mysteries? Well, by virtue of the fact that they're unsolved and they're a mystery means that they do in fact exist. And so since popular thinking associates UFOs with aliens, that means physical creatures from another planet who somehow make their way here, um, that's what most people mean by that word. And so what I mean by that word is that there are creatures, beings, spirit beings, if you will, that are either benevolent or malevolent, but they're not from this dimension. They're from somewhere else. So we can approach the question of UFOs and aliens in a couple of different ways. First, does the Bible describe aliens or directly or deny that they're real? And second, does science indicate or dismiss the presence of aliens? And the way that I would answer it, much to the chagrin of my ancient alien friends or people who watch ancient aliens, there's nothing in the Bible that indicates that aliens are real. But neither does any part of the Bible strictly refute their existence. So to make an argument that's called the argument from silence is very, very unpersuasive. So again, when we talk about extraplanetary beings versus interdimensional beings, the way that I would argue is that the Bible has a great deal to say about spirit beings, and they're referred to as angels and demons. And so, again, to my knowledge yet, published science has never ever written an article or or produced a document that gives us unequivocal evidence that aliens exist. So the way that I would think about this is that extraterrestrial life for many people seem to be self-evident. For other people, it seems unlikely. Is it scientifically possible? Well, we can't say with certainty that it's scientifically impossible. So the Bible doesn't really say anything about the existence of life beyond our planet in other solar systems. Scripture speaks of God creating our world, the earth, but it doesn't explicitly say that he didn't create other life somewhere else. In theory, God could have designed other life even intelligent life, even other image bearers of God. So pause and let's think about this for a second. When the Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth coming, but prior to the new heaven and the new earth coming, it talks about a city that comes from somewhere. And it comes to this 
planet and uh, or heaven is described as um, a place where there are gates made of pearl. But the pearl that is being described in the book of Revelation, there's no oyster on the earth big enough to produce a gate that could fit the dimensions that's described in the Bible. Well, does that mean that there is a water world somewhere in the universe where God has created oysters uh, that with the ability to harvest these pearls uh, at such a gigantic a scale that he can create the new Jerusalem. But I digress. The Bible doesn't make reference to any such being one way or the other. That's the way that I would think about it. So again, the number is 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. Happy to take your call. Uh, 303 303- 873-1935. And some commentators point to Scripture's silence as proof that aliens don't exist. Others note that the Bible often omits topics that are irrelevant to our relationship with God. So in John chapter 21, verse 25, for instance, where it says, now there are also many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Pause and think about that for just a second. So John the Apostle clearly makes it clear that there are many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So the big question then becomes, what is the reliable source of information about what Jesus did? And of course, my view is that the only reliable source of information of what Jesus did is what the Bible says. Well, does that mean there aren't extra biblical citations that might give us clues? Perhaps. So it would appear that the near universal conclusion among Bible scholars is that human contact with intelligent alien life is extremely unlikely. That is to say, the question of alien life is probably irrelevant to human beings. And I remember Elon Musk was asked this question with a number of different people, and he brought up the Fermi paradox. I'm trying to remember who he was talking to, and he asked this particular person, have you ever heard of the Fermi paradox, which is basically um, Enrico Fermi who basically said, look, If there are aliens, where are they? Where are they? So the paradox refers to the apparent self-contradiction between many secular assumptions about life in the universe so far as aliens are concerned. Naturalistic science assumes the universe is extremely large, extremely old, 
capable of generating life from non-living matter through an entirely natural process. So pause and think about that. If the universe is 14 and a half billion years old, if it is extremely old and extremely large and capable of generating life from non-living matter, it makes perfect sense that people would believe this. But of course, the Bible says life and human beings were created on this earth supernaturally by a real God. And of course, there are those people who think that's absurd. This is Gino Dracy. I'll be back. 373-1935. This is Crosswalk with Gino Dracy. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. The number is 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Rob, welcome to the program. How are you doing? Doing good. Hey, great. I just wanted to, I didn't know I was calling John earlier, but I'm glad to get through to you. just want to make a comment on the current topic. You're talking about aliens. Sure. And this is kind of where I land as a believer in Christ, uh, kind of a simplistic view, but it makes it easy to witness and uh, share the good news. When folks ask if I believe in aliens, first I like to say, hey, let me hear what your definition is of an alien. And typically they're going to give you a pretty simplistic one, something or something that's not from here. Right. Which allows you to go, okay, so kind of like the big border dispute we have, those are illegal aliens, not Americans, right? And so typically you just get a common ground of agreement. And so, therefore, then it allows me to launch into, you know, like you said earlier, demons and angels, both of which, by simple definition, are not from here. Right. And and so when we ask and we answer that question, where are they from then? And I think it's safe to say, well, I don't know, but there seems to be... Before I do that, though, before I do that, just by answering the question, allowing them by their definition, that then lends itself to say, if you believe in aliens, this is your definition. I can give you an answer of where they come from biblically. Right. And and again, I'm thinking of the Raelians, which I was just talking about in this UFO oh, yeah, cult. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. You don't have to be sorry, because it's possible, because people, it's very difficult to dispute a person's experience. And let me tell you what I mean by that. A person says, I saw a UFO. Okay. How do I say, no, you didn't. If they say they did, I just simply take them at their word that they saw something. And, and then I ask them to your point, what do you think it was that you saw? Well, this is what I think I, it was. Did this thing communicate with you? Well, some will say no, but some will say yes. And then I ask, what did they have to say to you? And it's been my experience that the work of demons or evil spirits is a part of a strategy to confuse unbelievers and believers for that matter. And so when you look at the Bible, yeah, so when you look at the Bible and you go, 
well, what what are their activities? What do they do? Well, Ephesians six twelve, they oppose God's purpose. First Timothy four one, they execute Satan's plan. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two, they disseminate false doctrine. There's some passages in Matthew 8, Matthew 17, Mark 5, where these supernatural interdimensional beings have the ability to bring on what looks like the symptoms of insanity. So there seems to be, in my view, evidence that these interdimensional beings, or let's for purposes, since I'm talking to you, I'm going to say demons, okay, demons or evil spirit beings, that they have the ability literally to affect people. They can cause mutinous, uh, disease, deafness, epilepsy, blindness. In Mark chapter 9, you know, this uh, and this demon-possessed person is, is involved in all kinds of self-destructive behavior. So I am yep. not one to dispute that um, that these beings can't interact with human beings. Totally agree. So the beautiful thing that you just described, though, all of it, every single last bit of it, which is premised on their definition and where we get our answer is in the word. Exactly. If if yes, they have talked to them. If yes, they've communicated still, if they don't have a definition from science, like you're talking about before, because there's absolutely zero evidence outside of the word, it gives the word the prominence to discuss dispute and give further enlightenment to the person that you're witnessing to, right? So I, I'm like, it's beautiful for me from a simplistic way to say, yeah, I believe in them. This is what the word says. And if you're talking to them, you know, these are the, you're not the first person to talk to a demon. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, the other question that I get asked is, well, would the existence of an extraterrestrial life form threaten the scripture's revelation? And in my view, the answer is no. I think it would create difficult questions, but it wouldn't necessarily say, okay, now I no longer believe that the Bible is true. I, I That's not how I would think about it. Um, I wouldn't but, either. Yeah, the way that I would think about it, I, again, in conversation, I would say, well, let me just be very clear. I don't think that extraterrestrial beings, sentient beings, capable of uh, knowing, believing, and worshiping God exist. I don't believe those beings exist here. I do believe in the Bible's description of of what some people would call angels and demons or some people would call interdimensional beings. I do believe in that that such beings exist. But I, I also would say my understanding of the Bible doesn't give me any reason to believe that there's life anywhere else in the universe. Totally agree with you. Like you said, it's the uh, absence of anything, right? I loved your analogy right. about the oyster and yeah. the pearl. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that a great sort of thought uh, experiment where you go, well, 
Does the Bible describe, you know, the gates made of pearl? Yeah. Uh, what's a pearl made of? Uh, an oyster. Is there an oyster big enough to create the gate in heaven? No. Where where did it come from? I, I don't know. Is, is it possible that yeah, there's an oyster farm somewhere in the universe that God's cultivating pearls? <laughs> <laughs> you know, just a little bit of levity around the subject like that just kind of brings everybody back down to the table where we can talk, and it's not a finger-pointing exercise, right? Well, and I think, you know, I so in broad principle, here's what I say. If the Bible is silent on the subject, then it, it seems to me that we shouldn't be dogmatic. In other words, if the Bible doesn't actually address the issue, then maybe silence is the best way to go. However, I have to admit that I have, well, speculated about things. And, 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 and so I'm not opposed to speculation or imagination but then what i say is well again remember that that's what it is it's speculation and imagination it's kind of like hey be led by the spirit right yeah so and you won't fulfill the lust the of the flesh yeah exactly so if we're being led by the spirit and we ask god should i go left or right and he's silent on it yeah left up to you to make the decision, right? Because in the end, what's the word say? All things work together for good for those that love God. So if I go left or right, God is going to work all things out for for good. Interesting. But be silent on my question, should I go left or right? Right. Of, I, I don't mean right, like go right to using your analogy, but no. yeah. In other words, since the Bible is silent, there seems to be a great deal of freedom that we have that you know the lord hasn't spoken on this subject so and i even go so far to say this because he hasn't said anything on it gino it leaves us to be able to speculate in prayer god where did those oysters come from i mean where did those <laughs> come from? right i think so well, well we can sit down and just talk to the lord about those things because we're in his word we're listening to his spirit we want to be led by the spirit and those things are written in there hey thank you for your call you can hear the music playing i gotta go (laughs) that was a great conversation 303-873-1935 i'll be back hey welcome back ladies and gentlemen we've had a pretty interesting conversation about aliens and extraterrestrials and we were weighing in on well, the possibility that um, if that's the case, if if we were to contemplate even for a moment the possibility that aliens existed in the universe, would it change the Christian faith? Would would Christianity be different? And I guess there's a, several ways of thinking about that question. Um, and, and one of them is, again, according to the Bible, God sends his only begotten son to save humanity. He becomes incarnate, is the, is the expression. The second person of the Trinity acquires a new nature, a human nature, if you will. 
to save mankind and redeem creation. So my view is that that the second person of the Trinity doesn't become an angelic being in order to save angels or to become a extraplanetary, pick your whatever species you want in order to save creatures from a distant part of the universe. Well, does that redemption include life on other planets? Would God have to manifest himself on other planets like Aslan does in Narnia? Does only begotten mean the only physical representation? Is it broadly or even more limit in a more narrow sense, referring only to the human species? Another consideration would be an otherworldly sentient advanced life form that sins and needs redemption in the same way that we do, or the possibility that there is some other life form absent sin, not in need of redemption. But again, the Bible seems to indicate that all of the universe has somehow been stained with sin and rebellion. Now, according to Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, human life is in the blood. In Leviticus 17, 11, it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. Where is the life of these hypothetical aliens, what would have to be sacrificed in order to save them? Could the shedding of Jesus' human blood save a silicon-based glass creature? Uh, you'll remember there was a Star Trek episode uh, of a rock-like creature and or a silicon, you know, we're a carbon-based life form. And it was referencing human beings as an ugly creature that's mostly made of water. But imagine a silicon-based glass creature whose sin was melting and reforming themselves into unnatural shapes. Another topic of discussion concerning the existence of aliens in Christianity is Again, what it means to be made in the image of God. Since God has no physical body, we take this to mean a reflection of God's non-physical characteristics, attributes, being rational, moral, social, relational. Would aliens, if they exist, embody the same characteristics? All kinds of questions. 303-873-873. 1935. So, Producer John, you're saying Devil in the Dark is the episode from from Star Trek that had the Horda. Yes, sir, I am. You know what one of my favorite lines from that uh, episode was? The Horda is sick, and and Bones, the doctor, (laughs) is called on to treat the Horda, and he goes... Jim, I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. <laughs> I remember that. And at the isn't end, it, now he feels like he can cure a rainy day. Yeah, isn't that crazy? 
So um, one issue rarely broached on the subject of extraterrestrial life Um, especially with young earth creationism is the discovery of alien life. Because again, here's the premise or the presupposition that um, if the earth really, excuse me, if the universe is really, really old and evolutionary processes took place over long periods of time. It's highly, if highly unlikely, that the geological pyrotechnics that took place during a global flood could have spewed bacteria or lichen-tainted stone all the way to Mars, and that this bacteria found shelter in a misty canyon but any life form more complicated or further out would be much more difficult to harmonize with a literal reading of the book of Genesis chapter 1 could demons have taken trees and shrubs and rodents and bugs to another planet with an environment similar to Earth's. Is that even possible? But without the Spirit's blessing of life, it's highly unlikely it would have survived. What about parallel creations? What about not just you have an interdimensional world, but you have um, parallel universes? Well... If there are parallel universes, the Bible doesn't mention them. So considering what we know about space and considering what we know about life and considering the way the Bible portrays it, we already have an explanation for so-called alien life or alien activity on Earth. It seems to me that the reports of the close encounters described the ethereal, transient, deceptive, malevolent actors are involved. In other words, there seems to be a reoccurring theme from our space buddies. And again, if we think about what the Bible says, do fallen angels have names? Yes. Do they speak? Yes. Do they know who Jesus is? Yes. Do they know about their future damnation? Yes. Do they know and are they able to differentiate the saved from the unsaved? The answer is yes. We know that they possess great strength. We know that they experience fear. And we know that they seem to know that they're going to be judged one day and that they're going to eventually be cast into a lake of fire forever. So, interesting. If aliens were proved to be real, it's interesting, but unhelpful to wonder. Maybe we have to be careful of what 
Timothy was warned by Paul in 2 Timothy about avoiding foolish and stupid arguments. <laughs> this is Gino Geraci. Thanks for joining me. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.